Well, good morning. Uh, we're so glad that you're here this morning. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here, and just thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today, whether you're returning, a part of our family, or whether you're visiting new with a friend, whatever it is. Uh, we are just glad to see you guys this morning, and always just glad to be together. Um, I do encourage you to recognize that our church is more than just uh, our time here on Sunday mornings, that we really are just a big family here in this community who love the Lord and who really want to live together in faith and uh, to help you realize this, that there's more opportunities for you to connect um, in small groups and then ministry, especially this week. If you're a lady, I just reinforced Jordan's, uh, he's like, what are you thinking if you're not signed up for the connect thing? Uh, this Saturday is going to be a really cool day. I don't, I don't like essential oils. I don't understand that. Um, I also don't like eating healthy, and I don't quite understand that. Um, journaling, eh. um, but I'm not a lady, and um, you might be thinking, well, I don't really understand the point of that thing, or maybe those workshops, I know all those things, I don't need. The point of Saturday is really for you to connect with God and connect with other ladies, okay? So whether or not you like the program or the workshops, it's not the point necessarily anyway. The point is for you to come and connect. That's why we call it that. And so if you are looking for uh, just deeper friendship, ladies, uh, with other women in the church or with women who are in different stage of faith or different stage of life than you, I really would encourage you this Saturday, if you have not already registered, it's only 10 bucks, and they're going to feed you, I think, two meals, breakfast and lunch. So, I mean, like, shoot, it's pretty much free. Um, so just come and connect with other women. I really would encourage you to do that. We are in the middle of a series, First John, and we creatively named it because we're studying the book, First John. We thought, well, let's just name it First John. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to First John. Last week, uh, we made it through a whopping four verses, and so this week, we're going to try to make some more progress, but First um, John, it's toward the back of your Bible, and like I told you last week, um, it's written by you know, you might wonder, is it the same John as John of the Gospels? And yes, it is. John, one of the first two chosen um, by Jesus to be a disciple. One of the three who was like closest to Jesus, like his whole life and ministry. It's the same John, son of Zebedee, who authors this book. Shortly after Christ dies and rises again, John and the apostles begin their ministry. They, their whole life is just spent proclaiming, testifying to the fact that, like, Jesus brings life to us. Like, God can make us new. He can raise our dead hearts, like, back to life. Like, we can have a relationship, like, a real relationship with God. And we looked last week as John opened uh, this book of 1 John, in the first four verses, and he talks with all these personal words about the fact that, like, we can have life with God. Like, real life consists in living in relationship with God. If you want to know the answer to that question, like, what is the purpose of life, I really would encourage you to listen to last week's message and to just hear John's words and John's heart come out, because he's saying, like, if you want to know the way that God created your life to be lived, he created you to be lived, to live in a relationship with God. So Jesus came so that he might give us life, that we might have life. And like he said, like we might have it to the full. He wants us to have an awesome life. He wants us to find out like what our life is for. And he says that our life is found. Our life is for like this relationship with God. Like when you're living in this relationship with God, like you are experiencing life as it was created to be. You're experiencing it to the full. We looked at that last week and and John knew this. The author of this book knew this, didn't he? Because he knew Jesus well. He knew him personally. He had experienced, he'd been changed by the life that Jesus had brought to him. Like, radically changed. And he lived, like, with joy in life. He, this joy that he wants to share with us. And he wants to teach us now here, like, more about this awesome relationship with God. This is such an awesome book. I just love First John. Because he's just teaching us how to have this like full life through a relationship with God. I just want to encourage you, if you're new today, um, just encourage you to listen to last week. If you're listening to this podcast online, like encourage you to listen to that very first message. Because 
it's so important that we do understand like that real life is found in a relationship with God. And just come and be a part of this journey with us. Like what we do here is just study the word of God. Like we press into God's word because we believe that in his word, he helps us to know him and how to have a relationship with him. And listen, if you don't have a group of people to like fellowship with and to just read the Bible with and study God's word more, I just encourage you because God's word is so good. It just helps us in so many ways. It helps us to hear God and speaks life into us through, through Christ in so many ways. And exactly what we want to do here is just continue to press into this book and to God's word and, and to see more about this relationship that God that we can have with God. So if you just keep looking at chapter one where we left off uh, last week, because there's four, we're going to look today at verse five. Um, I want to read it all at once, and then we can just go back and 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 look at it and and just walk through it step by step. But he starts in verse five. We're going to read through chapter two, verse six today. He says, "This is the message that we've heard from him, and we proclaim to you that." That God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. John here is continuing his theme of teaching us. like He's trying to just come alongside of us and help us to know more about our relationship with God. This life with God that he began to speak about last week. And if you can figure out like this relationship with God, let me just tell you like that is the starting point. Like if if you if you aren't there yet, like just start there. Like Christ is inviting you by what he has done in his life, death and resurrection. Like he is inviting you to come and receive from his life. Like learning that Christ came that you may have new life in him. And learning to Ask him and call out him for that life. Receive that gift of salvation that he gives when we trust him and his work for us. God gives us this gift of life. We're born again into life. Like that's the starting point. So if you if you haven't gone past that point, I just encourage you to keep pressing into that, to know Christ and to, to bring yourself to receive what only he can give in that gift of life. That's the starting point. But it is just the starting point. You know, um, understanding that like Christ gives us this gift of life, like it's just like when we're born here in this world physically, like we we grow up beyond that. And John here, that's what's happening here in verse five, is he's introducing us to this life and appealing to us to come and receive this life. But he's saying, listen, that's just the starting point. Like, don't don't see as like that moment of trusting Christ and receiving His life as the end, but really just the beginning. It's just the beginning. I love that in the New Testament, like over and over and over again. Our, um, our Christian life is described as a walk. And it's a, it's a word that I use. If you ever sit with me, hang out with me, hang out around church, like we use that word a lot to describe kind of the, the journey of like walking, uh, the journey of faith is like walking with God. Anybody here like go on walks? Yeah. I mean, I was out yesterday and 
man, it's been beautiful here in Memphis. And everybody's like out on the river walking, flying kites. Like, I love going on walks. Hate running. Hate it. I mean, I love that the New Testament calls our Christian life a walk because, and not a run. Because if it was like a run, I'd be like, no! <laughs> like, that sucks. Um, but <laughs> some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, it does say, shoot, it does say run the race. Um, so maybe I need to work on that. But anyway, I like the fact that again and again and again, um, the word walk is used to describe, um, the Christian life and, uh, Michelle loves running. So if you like running, I'm not trying to hate on you. Heck, it's kind of fun. I'm so long-legged that I can walk while Michelle runs beside me. It's pretty awesome. Anyway, it works out great. You should look for that if you're dating, uh, somebody that can run alongside you while you walk. It's pretty cool. Anyway, Christian life is described as a walk. It's a journey. It's a journey. And it's I find it so helpful because it's not like, boom, like one day we just all of a sudden like become totally, we figure everything out. We're just the perfect person and everything is as it should be. Like, no, like we, we there is a starting point. Like there is a point at which you enter a relationship with God as you trust in Christ. But it's, it is just the beginning point, like growing up in that relationship with God, like learning, pressing into Him and learning to walk with Him day in and day out. Like that is a journey. And I know that a lot of people at this church, a lot of people who are uh, affected by our ministry come here and they say it's so comfortable, like being able to seek God in the context of a church that embraces that journey. And I'm so proud of our church. I'm so proud of you and our church for making this a comfortable place to to seek God here among us. And I hope that you f- yourself personally feel comfortable to keep pressing in and recognizing that like it is a journey and it's a walk like God wants to walk with us in life and I very much recognize that we're we're all on this this journey together walking with God and growing in deeper relationship with him and we're changing like we're changing and we say here as a church like our vision statement we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world it implies like an active work that God is doing in our life there's an active walk that we have with him in which he is changing us day by day but it is a journey and john is coming right alongside of us and he's speaking into our life about this journey and he's he's telling us how to like move forward and how to grow up he's helping us to know like what would it look like if we took seriously this this relationship this this dynamic personal relationship walking with god every day some of us in this room are are still babies and all we've done is trusted Christ. Like we just call out to him. Like some people describe it as like fire insurance. Like I just want like to make sure that I'm good in the end. Like, but they're not really interested in a growing relationship with God. Some of us are pursuing a growing relationship with God. Um, it just depends on where you are. It's kind of like the difference of like, like, you know, if you were to get married to somebody and then all you do is like be roommates and you never pursue that person, you never invest in growing that relationship. Like some people are kind of stuck in like roommate mode right now. Like they've got, They've got, they've entered into this like covenant, beautiful, deep, uh, poss- with deep possibility, like relationship, but they're just like, rather just content, just like roommate mode, like keeping relational distance. But like God's inviting us into more like this, this marriage, like where he's, John is inviting us to see that like this relationship is so much deeper than you could ever possibly imagine. It's so much better. It's so much more beautiful. It's so much more satisfying than you could ever believe. Like this relationship can be the very basis of your life. It could be the greatest relationship that you have, and in fact, it should be. And he's encouraging us, like, let's push in, let's grow in our relationship with God. Like, we know that he is life, real life is found in him. Let's grow. And don't you want to know God more? Like, don't you want to know what it's like to have this kind of deeper companionship and fellowship with God and experience more of the fullness of life that Jesus promised with his own words that he could bring? I hope you do. And I think, of course you do. I think that's why you're here. I think that's why you're listening today. And so he's helping us here in verse five, like know how to take the next step in the walk. Now, here's the thing. If you're taking notes this morning, by the way, I do encourage you to take notes. Like I want you to be not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. And I want you to be one who can take the word and help to feed others with it, knowing that it's not for us only, but what God has entrusted us, he wants us to steward. But he, I just encourage you to walk this first step write this first step down because he says here in verse five, like right out the gate, he said like, as you move forward, here's something I I need you to remember, like the foundation. He said, this is the message we have heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light. God is what? 
It says, God is light. What does that mean? Like, what's he, what is, okay, like, what is he saying here? Well, in case you don't understand light, he basically qualifies it with a statement right after, and he says, right in the next statement, in him and in him, there is no darkness at all. He qualifies it, saying God is light, which means in him, there is no darkness at all. This reminds me um, of John's gospel. If you think back to John's gospel, some of you are familiar. It's one of my favorite chapters, uh, chapter one, the very start of John's gospel. Same author here, uh, writing both books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you turn back to John one, um, and you just look at chapter one, like this is a theme that is really resonates with John, and he really attaches himself to it and really pleads that we understand it. In the very beginning of that book, he says, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. He's speaking of God and Jesus here. He's saying all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Get this. In him was life. Sound familiar to what John's already talked to us about the first part of first John? Yeah. In him was life. And here's what he says. The life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from John, who's, from God, whose name was John. And he came as a witness. He, he came to bear witness about the light all might believe through him. See, he was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. For the true light, verse 9 says, which the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. See, here in John chapter 1 and also in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, John is pleading with us that we understand something that's very foundational to our walk with God. He's saying that we've got to connect the life of God, the life that God brings, and the life that he has in his own person, to the light of God. This is the foundation that we're going to build our relationship with God, our growing relationship, our walk with God, on that understanding this, that God is a God of life, and he is a God of light. And there is no darkness in him at all. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. He is perfect. I mean, what does it mean to be radiant and, and filled with light? Like that imagery is helping us see how perfect he is in all of his ways. How he shines. How his perfection is on full display. He's beautiful and radiant in his glory. There is no one like our God. That's why in the Old Testament you see like the people that cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like holy is, is the idea of you are set apart. God, there is no one like you. You are so wonderful. You are so good. You are so beautiful. You are so loving. You are so perfect. You are holy. You are radiant. You, you are full of splendor and worth. Like it's this, it's this picture of light. That's what it means. John is saying, our God, the God that you draw near to, the God who's invited you into a relationship with him, the God who has is is willing to impart to you this gift of life as you walk with him and growing relationship with him with personal ways. He is a God of light. And in him, like, you're not going to find any hint of darkness. None at all. In other words, there's no impurity in God. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing sneaky. Like, this, he's not going to be that salesman that, that you think, oh, he says this up front, but in the end, he's just going to get me. He's not going to be like that, that cheap airline that like sells you the really cheap ticket and you get all excited like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I could fly to China for $15. But in the end, y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But in the end, like you walk up to the counter and you're like, oh, you're wearing a shirt. That's another, another $50. You're wearing pants. Oh, you actually want to like take a 
take clothes with you, a bag with you. Oh, you wanted a seat on the airplane. That's another $200. By the time you, you get out of there, man, you just feel like hassle and you probably pay just as much or more as the other tickets. Like, God's not like that. He doesn't sneak one on you. Like, there's nothing hidden in him that, that you should fear. Like, he is pure. He is good. He is right. Like, there is nothing to hide. Like, he he presents himself and he is, like, I, I just can't, there's no word to describe him. Like, he is so amazingly wonderful and perfect and good and pure. Like, he is light. And, and John wants us to understand, like, as we walk with him, like, this is the God that we draw near to. He says, this is the message. This is the message that we have, that we proclaim. That God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. How beautiful, wonderful is our God as we draw near to him. Like, wow. I just pray that like in your personal walk, you just have that sense of wonder admiration, adoration. Oh, God is wonderful. This God who invites us to walk with him. And so as we go on, we're going to get now to verse six, but that's the foundation. He said, you got to understand this, like understanding who God is, but there, there are some implications of this, right? And he's really going to outline two implications for us today. And, and the first one is this, that we, if we understand God is light, then the first implication is that we would walk in the light. So if you're writing down, that's the second thing I want you to write down today. First, God is light. Second, is that we are called to walk in the light. We're called to walk in the light. In other words, if you have fellowship with God, you will not live in sin. If you have fellowship with God, you will not live in sin. John is helping us to know that we are growing in our relationship with God and our fellowship with Him. We will not live in sin. Let's look back at 1 John chapter 1, continuing on with verse 6. He says this, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. If you go on down to chapter 2, Verse 1. I'm, I'm going to come back to the other verses. I'm just trying to highlight this implication that John is pouring his heart out to help us understand. Verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, My little children, I'm, I'm writing these things to you so that, what? So that you may not, yeah, sin. So that you may not sin. Verse 3, he says, And by this, we know, by this, we know that we have come to know him. If, if we keep his commandments. For whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I know, uh, I know that these words can feel like startling in ways. I don't even know another way to say it. Like if you if you've never read this or maybe you read this before, like you come across this and you read this and you're like, oh, you get that lump in your throat, because what John is saying here is serious and it has serious implications. He's come out in verse five and he said, okay, I want to make sure you understand that who you're drawing near to is you draw near in relationship with God. This is what we proclaim: God is a God of light, in Him is no darkness at all. The one you draw near to, the one you have fellowship with, the one you have personal relationship, is a God of light. But the first implication here, friends, John is saying, is that like if you if you want to walk with God, if you want to have fellowship with God, if you're gonna say like you have this growing relationship with God, you've got to understand something. Like you're called to walk in the light. You're called to walk in the light. 
This language is not unfamiliar in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 describes us. Some of you are familiar with this verse. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. It says, why? That we may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's saying this is the whole point of of you coming into relationship with God, that, that your life may proclaim that like he is an excellent, beautiful, perfect God. He has called you out of darkness, and now you are walking in light. It's an implication that we are walking as he is in the light. First Thessalonians also echoes this chapter 5, verse 5, saying, For you are all children of light, children of the day. Not just God is a God of light. God is light, but he says here, we are children of light, children of the day. We are not in the night, and we're not in the darkness. Well, what does this mean? What does it mean to, to walk in the light? The first thing it means is, of course, you're going to become like him, like in his character. Y'all ever hang out with people? Just raise your hand. Yes? Okay, good. Some of you didn't raise your hand, which makes me think, uh, well, I would love to be your friend. Anyway, uh, here's the thing. I... I, I have found, my mom always used to say, like, you are going to be who you hang around. It's just true. Like, it just happens. Like, it's so funny, uh, sociologically, like, you just watch people, and like, if you, like, we were at the zoo a few weeks ago, and literally, like, walking around the zoo, you could literally see, like, groups of people out of the zoo, and like, people who are, like, hanging together, typically, like, dressed together, they talk like each other, they kind of have the same mannerisms, like, there's studies on it. I don't know all the exact research, but I do know, like, just from my own life, like, I end up, like, we end up becoming, like, more similar to people we, we hang around. It just happens. It, and, and what John is saying here is that there's a natural assumption that John has that, listen, if you abide in God, like, if you spend time with God all the time, like, abide, Jesus calls us to abide, John 15. This word just means, like, to make a dwelling place. So it's like, this is your hangout place. Like, this is your primary relationship. This is your go-to. It's like, if God is, like, as real to you as you say that he is, right? If you say you're, like, walking with God, hanging out with God, like, if you're close with God, then what you're really saying is that, like, of course you're going to become like him. Like, if you have this personal relationship with him, the natural assumption is you're, if you're close to each other, guess who you're going to become like? You're going to become more and more like God. If you walk in his way, like you're gonna, he's gonna grow you. The Spirit of God is gonna be at work in you to grow you and to produce like this insatiable appetite to like want to know him and become more like him. You're gonna find yourself changed day by day, like the Bible describes, like more into his likeness. You're gonna grow. You're gonna be your your heart, your character is going to become more and more like him. Anybody ever been to the dentist? Uh, if you go to the dentist, like, <clears throat> so I hear, I've never done this procedure, but like they can actually try to like whiten your teeth, like get crud off your teeth by like using ultraviolet light. Um, you can also like get bacteria apparently out of your gym clothes by like putting them in the sun, like the UV rays will actually kill bacteria. Now, I don't know why you want to do that if you have a washing machine. <laughs> but the, the reality is like there are examples in our life that we can understand and see that like certain kinds of like pure light, like ultraviolet light will kill things that like that, that, that need to be killed. And the reality is like as we draw near to God and he is a God of light, like the purest of all light, like what will begin to happen in our life? is that like our character will be purified. Like the, the crud, like the stuff that we that doesn't belong there, the stuff that needs to like die out. Will you will find like those things dying out. You will find greater purity in your life simply by being exposed in a greater way to the light, to God. It's the same way in our lives. The more we hang around, the more we'll be rid of impurity. Living day and day in, day out with God, <clears throat> it'll change us. And we know that God is is pure. And as we experience Him in our life more, we're gonna experience the fruit of the Spirit. Love. You're gonna see love more in your life. Joy, peace, 
patience. Galatians 5 talks about all of these. Goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the things that are the natural byproducts of walking with God day in and day out in your life. He's saying, if you want to walk with me, you're going to experience in your life. Like you're going to find yourself walking in light. You're going to experience in your life like more and more and more and more of me. <laughs> I'm going to fill you and I'm going to change you. You're going to become more like me. You're going to become more like his character. And um, we see that, um, like it says there, as it says there in chapter 2, verse 6, like we see that whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Like he's saying, like, there's no darkness in God. And so, if you walk with God, like, there shouldn't be any darkness in you. Like, you're not to walk in darkness. And like I said, like, the startling thing here, the tough thing here, and I'm, I'm not going to water it down because God doesn't water it down. John says it's a, it is a clear and understandable and strong implication that we've got to wrestle with here. The startling thing here is he says, like, if you say you have fellowship with him and yet you you walk in darkness, then you're lying. Like, you do not practice the truth. You are deceiving yourselves. Right? He, that's what he says, clearly. Like, if, if you come out and say, like, I know him, but you don't keep his commandments, you're lying. You're deceiving yourself. And the truth, the truth is not in you. Like, here's the thing. Like, if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, go dogs. <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and about half of you just started hating me. Anyway, listen to this. If you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, you cannot be a Tennessee Volunteer fan. Right? Maybe it's a bad analogy, but I'm just saying. I just don't think it's true. If no Georgia Bulldog loves the Volunteers, including myself. I love you if you're a volunteer fan. I just don't love volunteers. Anyway, if you're oil, you're not going to get along with water, right? I mean, we understand these things. Like sometimes if you have something, something else just simply can't belong. Like it, it just is a contradiction. And so what John is saying here is, look, you've got to face the fact that it is a contradiction. If you walk with a God who says he is light, who is light, if you walk with God, God who is light, you cannot at the same time be comfortable walking in sin. It's like God saying, it's just don't, don't fool yourself. It's a, it's a hard teaching, but it's a true teaching. Like the Bible does not ever give assurance to people in their relationship with God who are, who are like, okay, living in sin. And in 1 John, again and again and again in this book, you're going to have to wrestle with this personally. Because he makes statements like this. Like, if you want to walk with God, and yet you, you want to just be cool with sin, like you're not actively dealing with that in your life, like you find yourself just like, living in darkness and like experiencing this dark light, you're just fooling yourself. You're lying because God is light and he's called you to walk in light. If you're hanging out with light, like you're going to be rid of sin. So don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself for he is light. Don't fool yourself. Like if you walk with Jesus, you're going to find yourself walking in his ways. You're going to want to, your heart's going to be changed. Like, you are going to want to hear his word and you want to keep his word. And in you, John says, the love of God is going to be perfected. Like you're going to be just like uh, a jeweler like works with uh, his jewelry to like bring out impurities. Like God is going to work with us to perfect us. If you want to know you abide in him, you're going to walk in the same way in which you walk. And if you're not, then he says you're just a phony. So the first point, walk. First implication, God is light. We're going to walk in the light. If we say we have fellowship with him, then we will not live in sin. You can't have both. Second point is this. Here's, here's where it gets interesting. So the second point is this. Hey, uh, let's be honest, though. Here's John's second point. He goes, but be honest with yourself. In the same way that you're being honest that you can't walk with God and live in sin too, here's another thing I want you to be honest about. You don't need to fool God. 
You don't need to fool others. You don't even need to fool yourself. Because you do live in sin, don't you? You, you sin, don't you? Look, at, look back at the scripture. In the same way that he said we deceive ourselves by saying we walk with God and also practice sin, in verse 8 he said there's another way we could deceive ourselves. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Verse 10, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, John say, be honest. Don't try to fool yourself. So many people spend so much energy, it's exhausting, trying to fool other people. I'm, I'm not broken. I'm fine. Everything's good. Nothing's wrong with me. <laughs> Trying to put up the, the front of holiness as if, like, you don't struggle with sin, as if your heart is not, like, crooked and broken and wayward. Like, how much energy do we spend, like, trying to give the pat answers, the right answers, and not just walking in honesty with other people? How much energy do we spend, like, trying to, like, fool God as if he doesn't know who we really are. Like avoiding him. Excusing ourselves before him. Reading his word and skipping over the verses that maybe call us out on the carpet. How much work does it take to like fool ourselves that we're not needy and broken and messy and needy? I mean, and, and just desperate. Right? I mean convincing yourself that like you're the one exception to pretty much every role that God has. John comes on the scene and at the same time he's saying, listen, if you walk with God, you're fooling yourself if, if you think you can also walk in sin. And in the very next verse he goes, but listen, you're also fooling yourself completely deceiving yourself. You're making yourself a liar if you say, I don't have sin. The truth is not in you, he says. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned. All have sinned. There's not a single one of you in this room. There's not a single one who's reading this letter, John's saying. There's not a single person in the world who could say they don't have sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sexual immorality, impurities, gossip, envy, pride, anger, putting yourself before God, drunkenness. The list goes on and on and on. If we look at our lives, John says, we should be honest. Don't fool other people. Don't fool God. Don't fool yourself like you have sinned. Now, I look at this. I don't know about you. But I look at what John is teaching here. And I get to this point where, like, as if I'm wrestling with a word and, like, in the last few weeks as I've been preparing for this message, like I've been wrestling with the word. And I get to this point and I go, okay, I can understand like God is light. The one who invites me near is a God who is pure and light and beautiful and wonderful in every way. I can understand that. I can understand just because I'm a good reader and I can understand context clues, I can kind of come to conclusions. I took the SAT and did kind of well, right? That he makes a pretty clear statement like, if you walk with God, you can't also walk with sin. So I can understand that. Like, God wants me to walk in light. I get that. It's pretty clear. Like, there's no way around it. You are a liar if you say you walk with God 
and yet live in sin. You can't get around that. So I understand that. I also understand what John is saying here. He's saying, if you live, if you say you don't live in sin, you're also a liar. If you say you don't have this sin, you deceive yourselves. I get that. What I struggle with is how do these things work together? <laughs> Anybody with me there? It, there's a seeming contradiction between what he's like putting forth. And I just wrestle with this. It's like, what is he? So, so what then? How are we to live? And here's what I began to realize as I was wrestling through it. Is that I was like separating these two categories. As if I like had to choose one or the other. Like I understand the call to holiness. I understand that really well. Like when I hear that, all I hear is like, all I feel is like, okay, I know, I know that. Some of you in this room are thinking that this morning. Like, I know that. Like, I know that God is pure. I know that he's right. I know that he's good. I know that there's nothing wrong in him. I know that if, if I walk with him, like, I should be like that. I should be walking in his way. I should be keeping his command. Like, I know that. And I'm like, I agree with that. And I know that he wants me to be holy. And so many of us have heard this again and again, like, in churches or from our parents or just as you read the Bible. And you wrestle with that. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? Because, like, I feel like I'm in the other category over there. <laughs> like, I'm not here. I feel here. Y'all tracking with me? Anybody, anybody else feel? Okay. Whew, good. And often, like, what I... There's two options, really, like, that often happen in me. One is, like, when I hear the call to holiness, like, I either run far away from God because I know I'm not holy. Like, oh, crap, like, God is holy. I suck. Like, God doesn't want me. No room for me with God. So, like, I'm just going to keep walking in crap because that's pretty much my only choice because I screwed that one up big time. Anybody ever been there? Like, just run far. Like, when you're living in sin, just run far from God because you know God is holy and pure and right, and there's no way that you can have fellowship with him. Like, you know that. You're not disagreeing with that. It's just going to push you further into sin. The other option is, like, self-righteousness. So the other option when you hear the call to be holy is to, like, think, oh, gosh, like, God wants me to be holy. Like, i got to figure this out. I need to get back in get back in church and I need to pray like at least two or three times a day. I need to make, make a list of the things that like I need to work on and like you just try, try, try and your life becomes like basically like a heavy load that you're trying to carry toward holiness. Doing the things that you feel like you need to do in order to make yourself right with God again. Like you turn the call to holiness into like a ladder that you're trying to climb up. And if you can just get a little bit further up the ladder, then maybe like there on the other side of the ladder is this like relationship with God. And it's all about like your attempts to get back right with God. Those are often like the typical responses to call to holiness. But yet like I'm just wrestling with this because he's saying like be holy but also it meant, like, be honest, you live in sin. How does this all relate together? And what I began to realize was that I was separating these things when I really think that what John is trying to do is to bring these two things together for us. I really think that he's trying to establish in our hearts and lives that, yes, we are called to walk in the light, but there is a direct correlation between how we walk in the light and how we're honest in dealing with our sin. That to understand what it looks like to live in holiness, you first have to understand what it looks like to live in humility. 
He's helping us not just to know the command that God has for us, which is to walk in light, but the pathway to get there, which is on your knees. The main truth that I have for you today is this. God calls us to walk in the light. And the way that we do that is by humble dependence on him. It's clear what John is saying. You are called to walk in the light as God is in the light. You're called to holiness. You're called to purity. You're called to be rid of sin. You're called to be like him in his heart and like him in his ways. You're called to walk in the way that he's like. God has called you to walk in the light. But John is helping you to understand something that will transform you if you really grab a hold of it. It will change your life if you can understand how God wants you to walk with him. Because there is a pathway. The pathway to walk with God in the light, the pathway to holiness, is by humble dependence on him. God has called us to walk in the light, and we do that by humble dependence on him. I want to give you some contrast here that I think will help to show this. Because there's relation between these two things. God has called you to holiness. But at the same time, he's saying, walk in the light. Look, you, you fool yourself if you're living in sin, saying you walk with God. No, get rid of sin, walk in the light. He's called you to holiness. But the pathway to that is humility. Let's look back at those verses that we bypassed real quick. In verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. Verse 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. John is saying to us, friends, as you seek to walk in holiness, understand that this holiness can never be attained to on your own. You're never going to be holy, friend. If you pretend to be something that you're not, you're a liar. Yeah, holiness is needed in your life. Not going to let up on that. God is light. He calls you to walk in light. But friends, understand how to walk in light. God gave his son Jesus for you. Two words used for him. He's an advocate. He's a propitiation. Jesus is a propitiation. He took your place. He paid the penalty. He met the demands of the law, and he paid the penalty. God's wrath was poured out on him. It was him in our place. He is our propitiation, and he is our advocate. It's the picture of one who goes along with. It's the picture of a lawyer, one who, as you walk into the courtroom before the Father, there's one standing beside you to plead your case. Jesus is our propitiation, the one given that we might have forgiveness of sin now and forever by his own blood. And he's also our advocate that in our time of sin, there is grace and there is mercy for our sin. There is cleansing for our unrighteousness. Oh, friends, holiness is required, but holiness comes through humility. Humility and recognizing that you're not holy. There's only one who can make you holy, and it's Jesus Christ. Oh, if you would just confess your sin. Come to Christ. Confess your sin. He is faithful. He is just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's how holiness comes. You don't make yourself holy. God makes you holy. You don't make yourself perfect. Christ grants his perfection. That's how holiness comes, is you recognizing that you need Christ. And he came for this very reason, that he might ransom you from sin and deliver you to God, transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is why Christ came. And he says, the pathway is a pathway of confession. What does confession mean? 
Anybody know? Confession simply means to agree with another. Confession means agreeing. This has been so helpful for me because I know the call to confession sometimes, like in my life, is like, I feel like, oh crap, no, like everything in me is like, no, like, did you feel like part of yourself is about to die, right? Or you think like, if I confess, like, oh, I'm going to be found out. One of the most helpful things of understanding confession is this, that God already knows who you are. You're not bringing God something that he's going to be surprised with. He already sees the brokenness in you. He already sees the need in you. He sees the desperation in you. He sees the sin in you. You're just bringing it to God and saying, God, I agree with you about what you already see. I'm willing to see it as you see it. I'm willing to see it as broken and in needs of forgiveness and in need of cleansing. You're choosing to not put up defense and make excuses. You're choosing to simply agree with what needs to happen. You need cleansing. You need God to bring you back into the light. You need his forgiveness and you need his grace. You need his power in your life. Does that make sense? So he's saying, yes, walk in holiness, but how do you do it? You walk in humility. Get this. There is a connection between the awareness of your sin and your awareness of Christ. I've heard some say, gosh, it sure seems like as I grow up in Christ, like I'm not getting more holy. I feel like I'm, be- I'm becoming more and more aware of how sinful I am. As I walk with God, it sure doesn't seem like I'm getting more pure. It seems like I'm understanding how more impure my heart motives and life really is. This is my experience. The more I walk with God, the deeper I feel broken over myself. But that's exactly how God intends us to grow up in him. Because the more broken you are over the awareness of your own sin, the more you're going to be led to the arms of Christ. The more you're going to be aware that your life was never meant to be lived apart from him and that you're going to go to him with your brokenness and ask for his grace and healing and restoration. And as you become more aware of Christ and give yourself to him in faith, and yieldedness and surrender, guess what's going to happen? He's going to fill your life more with himself, and the very light of God will shine through you. And it's not going to be your light. It's going to be Christ's light who shines through you. Praise God. The greater the awareness of brokenness and sin, the greater your awareness of Christ will be. The greater you depend on him, the greater your purity will be. The more you confess your need, the more you will see the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. God calls us to walk in light. But the pathway is a pathway of dependence upon him. Luke chapter 18, there's a parable that I want to point your attention to as we close this morning. Luke chapter 18. Jesus tells a parable. He tells lots of parables. But he tells a parable about two guys who he sees in the church one day. And it's interesting because both guys go into the church and they both go in for prayer. And I just want to read you uh, this from Luke chapter 18. He said, He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And they treated other people with contempt. He said, two men went up, went up into the temple, the church, to pray. And one, one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing there by himself, prayed thus, God, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything that I get. But the tax collector, the other guy, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast saying, oh God, oh God, Lord have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. 
Jesus said, I tell you. It was this man who went down to his house justified, in other words, made right with God, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Two men, both going into the place of God, both seeking, I think, to be right with God, to be pure before God, to be holy, both knowing the things that God requires. But one chose a different path than the other. One chose the path of self-righteousness to the point that he became proud. Interesting, he's praying to God. Oh God, I thank you that you've made me holy. I'm so thankful that I'm not like all these other people. I've done this and this, and they've done this and this. Oh, poor people, but look at me, God. Look how holy I am for you. And the other seems to can't even get out of his mouth a prayer. For he is so far, you can just picture, he's the guy that's sitting back in the corner. Not to say you guys are bad. I'm looking at Garrett, I'm like, dude... There you are. You're back in the corner. Hey, that's the place to be in this parable. The other guy so far back in the corner, scared to even approach the place where God's presence dwells, kneeled over, bent down, hunkered over, beating his chest, desperate, frustrated with himself. All he can see is like his brokenness and his need. But he knows that God is a God of mercy. God is a God who gives himself to broken people if they would just be willing to admit their brokenness and cry out to him for mercy. He's a God who saves messy people. He's a God who heals the sick. He's a God who gives grace to the needy. He's a God who can forgive sin. He's a God that if we draw near to him and say, I have nothing but you, he'll give us himself. He'll fill us with his spirit. This guy, beating his chest, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus looks at these guys and he says, I want to tell you something. Remember who he's teaching you, teaching to. He's teaching the people who thought they were righteous by what they did. He goes, I want to tell you something. There's only one of these two men who are right with God. That's what Jesus says. There's only one of these two people who are made right with God. And which one is it? Is it the one who thinks he can make himself holy on his own? No, it's the one who knows that he can't. But he's willing to cry out to a God who is holy, who redeems sinners. He said, there's one who goes down to their house justified rather than the other. And I'll tell you, he who tries to do it on their own, it's going to end up being brought down. But he who brings himself down, God will bring up. The learnings from this, holiness is found in humble contrition, not attempted perfection. Holiness is found by God's Spirit, not human effort. Holiness is found with our knees bent, not with our chest out. Holiness is found in dependence upon God, not independence on Him. Friends, my little children, John says, I want you to know, I'm writing this to you, that you may not sin. We have a God, the God you draw near to day in and day out. He is a God who is perfect in all of his ways. He's a God of light. In him, there's no darkness at all. You draw near to one who is pure and holy, perfect and true. My little children, I'm writing to you that you would not sin, that you recognize that when you draw near to him, you will become like him. You will become like him in the way that he is, in his heart, in his life, in his ways. In your lack of sin, you will be like him. He's going to do this. But my little children, I'm writing that you know that you can't do this on your own. He wants you to walk in the same way that he walked. This is what it looks like when you abide in him. You will keep his commandments, but my little children, don't fool yourself. You're broken and needy. You have sin in your life. You can't attain to holiness on your own. 
Yes, holiness is required, but here's how it comes. It comes as you draw near on your knees to Christ, who is holy. It comes as you learn every day to live, saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. It comes as you experience his forgiveness, as you experience his grace, as you experience his cleansing. Oh, Christ is holy. He is holy. He's the one that lives in me. I'm not holy. He is. Friends, let's walk in the light as God is in the light.